righty, awesome. Great worship, testimony. We got a rock and roll here. Not too long ago, a uh, kind of a survey was done of children of all ages, and they were asked questions about marriage and relationships. Is what that's where we're entering now. We get in Ephesians five eighteen, and we're going to have to kind of rock and roll through this this morning because we're coming to communion. But so the, these kids were asked about relationships and marriage, and for example, how do you decide who to marry? And and Kirsten, age 10, said, no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before. And you get to find out later who you're stuck with. (laughs) What is the right age to get married? Camille, age 10, said, 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. (laughs) Freddie, age 6, said, no age is good to get married at. you got to be a fool to get married. Interesting perspective. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Eddie, age six, said married people usually look happy to talk to other people. (laughs) Some of you need to think about that. All right. What do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori, age eight, said both don't want no more kids. (laughs) What do most people do on a date? Martin, age 10, said, on the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. (laughs) When is it okay to kiss someone? Pam, age 7, said, when they're rich. (laughs) She's going to do well. She's going to do well. Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age 9, said, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. And finally, my favorite, my favorite is, how would you make a marriage work? Ricky, age 10, said, tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. (laughs) Ricky will do well. Ricky will do well in marriage. All right, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians, and we're hitting the relationship section. And so I've entitled the message this morning, one ingredient, one ingredient that's absolutely essential for great relationships. Father, I just thank you for what's transpired already this morning. I ask that you would fill me. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. More than welcome that you would come and that this is so important, what we're going to talk about very briefly, that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. There is no healing in hiding. We've looked at that. And if I want my behaviors to change, and we all have behaviors that need to change, and our thinking needs to change, and start the starting point for changing our thinking is full surrender to Jesus. So if you haven't done that, it's going to be hard for you to see changes in your life because when you make a full surrender to Jesus and you hold up your hands and say, Jesus, no more. No more do I want what I want. I want what you want. I want my house cleaned. When you do that, Ephesians 5.18 occurs and you become filled, controlled with the Holy Spirit. Everything runs off of that. And like I said last week, we don't want to live in deception. I don't want to live in deception. So how how can Frank Ray know if he's really filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled? How can you know? And remember, we started out, we saw three things. First of all, you'll have an incredible desire for truth. The Word of God, we saw that in Ephesians 5.19. If I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have a desire for truth, things that are holy. The second thing is, remember, we, we would have what? A song in our heart, remember? Joy, joy. I've got that joy, 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 joy. 
Doesn't sound too down in there. Down in my heart, right? I've got that joy, 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 joy. All right, you'll get the joy. All right. The third thing that we saw is that you would be thankful. Ouch. Not complaining, not belly aching. Why, God, don't I have this? Why don't I have that? No. See, it's the Holy Spirit. You begin to be thankful. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you. And it changes. So I want to move now to the fourth thing. We're going to see the fourth way that we know if we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. If, we, if, if we're really spirit-filled, skip quick. Put it up. Ephesians 5.20. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The fourth way I know if I'm truly spirit-filled, the way you can know, is if you have a submissive heart. Now, that doesn't play very well in America, does it? In fact, we kind of view submission as a kind of bad word. We don't like submission. In fact, look at our heroes. Some of our heroes are what? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, right? How about, how about Arnold? The Arnold? Arnold Schwarzenegger? How about this one place? How about the Donald? Donald Trump. Not to submit. In fact, I'm not sure these guys even know the word submission, but if they do, the only submission they know is pounding someone into submission, right? Not them being submissive. Yet we're told in Ephesians 5.21, God tells us that it is good, it is right to be submissive, to have a submissive heart. So you say, well, what does it really mean to be submissive? The Greek word Paul uses is hupotasso, means to place yourself under something. It means to be obedient to. Nice word to use is meaning that we're to be accountable. Now, most of us don't like that word, do we? Especially in the American church, we're not too fond of being accountable to anyone. And you can see why the American church actually is in trouble. You know, in fact, the attitude, if we're quite honest about many Christians, at least in America, is, hey, look, if I'm going to be submissive, if I'm going to be in submission, it's only going to be to God. It's only going to be to Jesus. Well, let's just run with that just for a moment, all right? Let's just run with that thing. I want to give you what Ephesians 5.21 literally says in the Greek. It goes like this. Submit, that is, be accountable to each other. Why? Because of fear, phobos. For Christ. So you see, if I'm really submitted, if I'm really being obedient to Jesus Christ, then guess what? I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to be submissive to you. Right? In fact, Jesus gives us one more chain or link in the accountability chain. He says this in, 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 in John. Skip, can you put that up? Can you put it up in, in John? John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, Jesus says, if you fear me, if you're really a follower of mine, then you will obey my commandments. So the accountability chain goes like this. Skip, can you put it up? You first have in the accountability chain, God, Jesus, next leads to the word or Jesus commands. So it's your Bible. And finally, it leads to Christians, true followers of Christ. So So if I really say that I'm being accountable to God and to Jesus, then I am going to be accountable to his word. I'm going to be submissive to his word, which means I'm going to be accountable to you to the extent, to the extent that it's based in the word, which is tantamount to being accountable to Jesus. Does everybody get that? 
So if I really, this is really important because when it comes to your relationships. So it's very important to understand that if you're truly being submissive to Jesus and obedient to him, then you're going to be, you're going to have a high view of this and you're going to be obedient to this word. You're going to be submissive to the word and therefore you're going to be accountable to the people of God. So for example, when someone comes up to me and says, you know, pastor, I didn't really like what you said. Or I didn't like a particular action, and I want to show you in the word of God. What should my response be? Should it be, hey, who do you think you are? I'm the Lord's anointed. See, wrong O. Wrong. No, if any pastor tells you that he's the Lord's anointed and is above being submissive to this, I'm going to tell you to run. In fact, you know, I've been at this church now 21 years. 21 years, and some of you are going, that's in a long 21 years, but 21 years. Listen to this now. Listen to this now. I can count the number of times that someone has actually come up to me and said, Pastor, I had a problem with what you said. I have a problem with what you're doing based on the word of God. Less than, less than 10 times. So that either means that I'm super frank, super pastor, or B, you guys don't know the word of God, or C, you're just so apathetic, it doesn't matter if I go up here. I don't know which one. By the way, options B and C aren't good. Options B and C would not be a good thing. In fact, we're told this, the wisest man to ever live, King Solomon, he said this in the book of Proverbs 27, 17, he said this, put it up, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You know, if, 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 if we really love one another, no, if we really say we love one another, then you know what? I'm going to know this book. You're going to know this book. And we challenge one another. Iron sharpens iron with truth. No, with truth. There's no greater friend you can have than someone who is going to hold you accountable and sharpen you with the truth. Very quickly, two, just, two bad things will happen to you. Two negative things will happen to you if you refuse to have a submissive spirit. Number one, you will experience deception. I make no, I make no bones about it. I really believe we're entering the latter days. I have said so. I'm absolutely convinced you just need to watch what's happening in the world to see those pieces of revelation coming together. And one of the signs, by the way, that we're entering the latter days is deception. Deception. In fact, I, I made a hospital visit this week, visited someone. Skip, can you put it up in the hot, you know, who I was visiting? There he is. He's with us today, and he has this raggedy and doll, and is calling himself Ethanese now. So it was a little disconcerting. But in all seriousness, you can put that down, I'll skip. Confusion is beginning to reign in this country, and, and there's a reason for it. Listen to what The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 10. He said this. He said, they, that is the lost, perish. Why? Because they refuse to love the truth. That is this book, Jesus' command, and so be saved. Now watch this, because this is exactly what's happening to America and in the West. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion, and I think you're seeing this happen now in this country and in the West, so they will believe the lie, result confused thinking, and all will be condemned who have refused, have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. 
meaning that their behaviors now are contrary to the word of God. And I'm telling you, that's what you're seeing happen. We said, Lord, we don't want the truth anymore. A spirit of delusion is coming and and is coming, and it will become even greater. And you're seeing real, real confusion in in our minds. Who is your friend? I'm going to tell you who your friend is. Your friend is truth, the word of God. Your friend is truth. And also your friend, are real, real friends are those who are in there, in the word of God, and they're challenging. They love you enough to challenge you with the truth. Very quickly, the second thing that will happen, if, if you refuse to have a submissive spirit, and the second thing that will happen is you'll release a spirit of rebellion within your soul and a spirit of rebellion with those around you. Let me just give you one example. How many here are parents? Real quick. How many here are parents? Raise them high. Raise them high. Okay. How many here would like your kids to be obedient to you? You'd like your kids to be obedient. Now let me ask you a question. Why should your kids be obedient to you? Well, because I say so. (laughs) Ding. Thanks for playing. Wrong answer. See, the right answer is because truth. God designed you that way to be to be obedient to me. See, that's the right answer. Now, here's the big question, though. By the way, what are your kids seeing? See, are they seeing an example of you, the parent, being submissive back to the chain, back to Jesus? In other words, do they see you in the word of God? Do they see you in prayer? Do they see you involved in small community being challenged with the truth? See, your kids, by the way, mine are all graduating. Now, trust me on this one. I learned through the school of hard knocks, your kids could care less what you say, but they do watch what you do. They do see your example. And so many kids today are rebelling when they go to college. They're they're in churches like this. They leave Christ. You know why? Over 70%. Not because they weren't told right things. They didn't see right things. They didn't see an example of submission from their parents to Jesus. It's really critical. So if you're a parent, I mean, it's showtime. When you go home, what are they seeing? Are they seeing you be obedient? If they're seeing you be obedient to Jesus and to the word, they will be obedient to you, by the way. 